Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now is the star of the show, the reigning and defending, beat the TV champ champion from Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Bobby Blaze. Hey, Jeremy, man, I don't know, man. I just stepped all over you right there. I wasn't sure if you was done for the intro or not. I was too concerned about getting my head together and wrapped around this TV title match. I might have to go out there and offend it one more time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I recently started walking a little bit. Uh, I've went from the couch to the uh, refrigerator back about 20 times just in the last couple of days alone. Oh, uh, uh, well, you know, it's about the length of a ring. So I figure if I can just do that. Yeah. Well, it's, you uh, know, it's, it's important to stay in shape and train for these things. Yeah. Cause you never know. Cornette may call me and say, Bob, you got to get on here and defend this TV title, man, you yeah. know? And so, uh, anyway, that's my exercise regimen. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that uh, is, that is perfectly fair. Actually, you know, yeah. I, I've been all morning, I've been browsing uh, elliptical trainers because it's been about six weeks since the heart attack, so I have to start moving around and shit again, so. I don't. Yeah, just in case we, we get a shot. Yeah, well, I'm, you know what, I, 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 like I said to a couple people, I never really, besides the pain of the day that the heart attack happened, I never really felt bad was the weird mm. thing, you know? Um yeah, it was, it's, uh, that's kind of the weird thing is like, I never really felt bad besides the pain and then the tired, but that was yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's going to be back, man. I think we're going to have a good week this week. You know, I, I'm glad we're got the listeners tuning in out there, out there in the uh, podcast land, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we've got a good podcast. Been hearing a lot of positive feedback lately. Uh, you know, the YouTube channel is doing real good. The podcast is going real good, man. We can only go up. Look what we started at and look where we're going. You know, we're yeah. going to keep our chin up and keep going forward. Onwards and upwards. That so. is it, by God. Well, this week we're gonna, we're gonna switch gears on everybody a little bit. We're gonna be honoring Black History Month and some of the, and let me be very clear when I say this, the athletes in our sport of professional wrestling. Because I did keep coming across the term sports entertainment when I'm looking up people that were wrestling in the 50s and 60s. And uh, there was no such fucking thing back then. I I just want to be very clear about that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, So, yes, we are talking about wrestlers in the sport of professional wrestling. I just want to be clear. Yes. Yeah. And we we went back pretty far, and we tried not to leave anyone off. Um, of course, you can follow Jeremy on Twitter at the Geekish Cast. You can follow me at Bobby Blaze seven forty four, or you can follow the joint account on Twitter at Bell to Bell Blaze. Use the hashtag BBBB. Um, with that said, I'm gonna drop real quickly, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Uh, our man Texan graphics down there. Uh, he sent in some, a uh, little bit of history there too on our little joint account. So, uh, you know, we, we always got to give a little props there because he dropped a few names that I was unaware of or had left off my list. And I think we're all on the same page now. We are back pretty far on this list. And, and again, the reason I say it, I just don't want anyone to think we intentionally, uh, left anyone off this list. We went with as many people as we could find that we felt, you know, contributed in some way, uh, made her living as a professional. Professional wrestler, <clears throat> not a. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, well, you I know, want to celebrate Black History Month. So, uh, with that said, you want to tell us a little bit about Black History Month, Jeremy? Yeah. Well, so you Black, are the professor. Yeah. Well, Black History Month actually started started its its existence as Negro History Week in 1926, uh, created by a African American historian, scholar, educator, publisher named Carter Woodson. And then the week eventually became a month 
starting in 1976, and every president since then has officially designated the month of February as Black History Month. Um, so it is a important thing because as Americans, we do have a troubled history with uh, our black people and how we've treated them. <laughs> so <laughs> well, it's, it's, okay. it's important for us to take time to recognize every level of uh, black American or, you know, in this case, just black people throughout the world. But specifically, we're going to be dealing with a lot of African-Americans and ones from America. So let's... uh. Let's kind of keep that in mind, just our troubled history, and that's why it deserves a special notice. Yeah, well, with that said, you know, I, as you was reading that, 1976, the thing I remember, first of all, I came from Baltimore in around 1969. I'm going to touch on that a little bit later about about that during the course of uh, my speech today or our talking today. But with that said, um in 1976, I was the year I was turning uh, 13 years old. And when I come here from uh, Maryland, we lived in a predominantly black neighborhood. So for about uh, seven years there, maybe eight years, I lived in this predominantly black neighborhood here in Ashland, uh, down on 27th Street, represent out there 27th Street. It's uh, I lived on 27th and Winchester. And with that said, my sixth grade teacher uh, was Miss Beckwith. And uh, she was a, a black lady that lived on a corner. I, I, I delivered her newspaper for years. And um, in 1976, um, 75, 76 school year, I was in sixth grade. And if two things of significance that, that happened was um, the reason I mentioned Miss Beckwith also honoring her uh, is they tried to introduce the metric system to our uh, <laughs> to, to the United States back then in math. And then um, also uh, Black History Month. And that was really important to Miss Beckwith. She is an early educator in the Ashland area. We used to have a high school, Booker T. High School, and it was segregated. But when I came to Ashland, it was completely different uh, than Baltimore, obviously. You know, you got the northern thing and the southern thing. It's completely different. But I grew up with a bunch of guys. It's me and my brother and a couple other white guys and a lot of black guys. And we learned to play sports and we, we fought together. We got along together. We fought each other, you know, and those type things. But um, uh, that was just a... Uh, to those people, I had guys that were like in seventh, eighth grade, a friend that was older than me, obviously, and then then I had a black teacher, and and those things uh, meant something to me, uh, believe it or not. Um, it's just because that was the atmosphere I was around, and and where I went to school at was the at that time was uh, probably the the school that had the most blacks in the city. Um, at I would I would safely say that um, there was eight grade schools or elementary schools at that time, and uh, so I got. To that didn't give me special privilege, nothing like that. I'm just saying. So I was familiar with a lot of this, and um, I, when, when I saw it in 1976, I said, "Well, I do have something to share there," because that's the year that that happened. It was the second part of my uh, sixth grade year, and I I remember Carter being the president. But um, you know, I, the two things I remember again, other Miss Beckham, of course, uh, was the uh, metric system and this uh, month being designated as Black History Month. So there's the Bobby Blaze version on the short. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, and I have a story about wrestling. Uh, so we'll get to those several of them. Uh, let's get into our list if you want to. It's up to you, Jeremy. We're just kind of freestyling, man, because I don't yeah, want to leave anyone off this. We're not. We're not really doing a list. We're just getting kind of free form, and hopefully, remember to mention everybody we intend to mention. Uh, but you know, real quick before we do that, just want to remind everybody: if you haven't done so yet. 
you can go and get Bobby's books from Amazon using our uh, tiny URL links that will help out the show and it helps out Bobby. And you get great books about wrestling. You can get Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots Will Travel by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. You can get I Kicked Out. Hold on here. Why do I always screw these up? <laughs> ah, I Kicked Out on 2, The Education of a Wrestler by going to tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. You know, I, I've got these written down in front of me, and still, every time I go to say the names, I stomp all over my feet. I, I don't That's because you probably can't read my handwriting. Oh, that could be. <laughs> if you bought a book, I made it a little more clear. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, uh, so, yeah, and I do tell a story about uh, 27th Street in, in Pin Me, Pay Me. Uh, so, yeah, you can kind of, you know, get that info to see, that. oh, yeah, he's just not bullshitting or making something up. It's something. And guess who distributes my books? 27th Street Publishing. So there you go. Boom. Got to represent. There you go. <laughs> don't, so don't buy one of them. Buy them both. Yeah. Uh, just go over there, you know, go on Amazon and, and get the damn books. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't done it yet, I, I don't know what you're waiting for. We couldn't make it any easier for you. Go buy the book. Right. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Professor. Oh, you want to get us started on a starter list here? Because uh, I do know that you'll probably make this very clear more than I will. Some of the guys on this list, we have had specials on. For an example, I'm just going to drop JYD first, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. He has his own special on the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. So we probably won't spend a lot of time if they've been on another list. And it doesn't mean any disrespect to anyone uh, or anyone that's been on this list because we're going to kind of freeze style, but I will kind of start off with JYD if that's okay, because um, I think you'll tell us a bit more how important JYD was. We'll go through just a kind of a few names. We're going to name drop here and there, but if they've been on one of our other lists, um, we're not going to go into real, real great detail unless we just unless we feel it, you know, and I know a couple of these guys have a little personal story about some, so we're going to kind of go from there. So why don't you tell us about JYD, and then we're going to go from there, Jeremy. Well, yeah, JYD... JYD, I think, uh, you know, like you said, we've done a whole episode, but JYD was a non-threatening black superhero in the South. Uh, your grandma wanted to hug him. Uh, your, your kids wanted to look up to him. He was just a, a genuine superhero in Southern wrestling. Um, you know, he was one of those experiments that, that uh, Cowboy Bill Watts would try to, throughout his career, redo and never had the success he had had with Junkyard Dog. He was just yeah. an, an incredible, incredible thing. I mean, was he the most popular athlete in the South at one point? Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, they did that poll in New Orleans mm -hmm. uh, in a newspaper. Uh, Archie Manning, who played for the Saints, Pistol Pete Maravich, that played for the um, uh, Jazz and basketball, uh, Saints and football, Jazz and basketball, and then JYD, and uh, professional athlete, and, and he blew everyone away. I think it was around 80, 81, somewhere around that time. Um, so, yeah, it shows – the popularity of professional wrestling in that area. And also, uh, here's a black athlete that's coming into your home every week on your television that you can also get on down to the arena in somewhere, whether it be in New Orleans or somewhere in rural Louisiana, Oklahoma, wherever, and you can actually see this guy, you know, in mm -hmm. person and see him perform. So, yeah, uh, we just kind of started off with him, and he had to be a hero to many, many, many people, uh, black and white, you know. Oh, I had absolutely. Of meeting him, and, and he was just one of those – one of those cats, man, that's, that's JYD, or uh, it just JVD, you know, he just had that gimmick, man. He just, that uh, gravel voice, I guess, you know, kind yeah. of dog 
choker dog chain had that gravelly voice I, I can't do him obviously but but yeah i think everyone knows the significance of a guy like jyd being on our list yeah uh, well you so, know i, I want to mention another guy here that unfortunately because like i've said before i didn't really get to see memphis until later you know yeah. like, it, was, it was already done and in the bag by the time i had ever really learned much about it and I never realized what a big star Coco Ware was there. For me, he was the Birdman. Yeah, I <laughs> so, got you. Yeah. yeah. So he was a guy that, I mean, now when I was younger, he was interesting and the call was cool. But when you go back and you learn more about him when he wasn't working for the McMahon family and you see what a star he was and what, you know, just like his place in Memphis. Yeah. He, he's a pretty big deal himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Memphis, you know, had so many guys come through there yeah. anyway, but, uh, he actually was one that started there. Um, you know, he, as far as I know, he started in that territory. So yeah, everyone, a lot of people probably remember as the bird man or what have you, but yeah, Coco beware. What a, what a gimmick to think about Coco beware. Uh, with the cocoa, I'm going to go back just a, a drop if you don't care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the cocoa butt, okay, with Bobo Brazil, because um, as I was speaking earlier, everyone knows this, listen to the podcast. If you're new to it, one of the first uh, matches I saw was the Sheik versus Bobo Brazil. It just, so one of the first black wrestlers, the, the first black wrestler I ever saw was Bobo Brazil on TV in about 1969 in Baltimore. And, um, and he had the cocoa bud. And when I came to Ashland, there was a little bit of a, there's not much of a gap when I started school, of course. Uh, but I would, I, I told, I was trying to tell people as a, you know, six or seven year old, seven year old kid, maybe if we wrestled around like young boys, you know, I do a cocoa, but they didn't know what the hell I was even talking about. And, and, and I said, <laughs> What is this big black guy? You know, he's a wrestler, big and black. But then I took a hiatus there until I caught to, you know, my brother turned me back when I Memphis several years later when I was about 10 or so. But yeah, that was one of the, so one of the first ones we've, we've had him on several lists before, uh, but Bobo Brazil, an early pioneer, you know, not early pioneer, but middle of the, uh, in the sixties, man. I mean, he, he had a career spanning 50 years. I remember driving, um, um, was going to see my brother in 1998 and going down a highway and they came on the radio and, and they announced that he had passed away. And I was like, Oh man, just a part of my childhood. But I think he wrestled through like five decades, but I know in the, the late sixties and early seventies, when I saw him, man, it was just like, and again, I saw him later on, uh, but man, Coco, uh, he had that Coco butt and it was Bobo Brazil. And man, you see these guys, just uh there's so many you can think about man i'm I'm just trying to think uh well, the guys that come through memphis you know you know before you before you uh stop talking about bobo you uh smartened me up to something last night that i didn't know about is that bobo actually had a title win over buddy rogers that isn't yes. officially recognized but did happen yeah and you know i just they said that happened when someone had they could have that kind of control um, in a match you know, to, to, to bring it back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just heard this, and I'm not sure which podcast, so forgive me if I'm – but Ernie Ladd's on this list as well. And he took a match with um, one of the Guerreros out in California, and they just had the people going crazy. And I guess he took the pin, and it was like uh, – you know, bring it back next week. That's why he done it. So he had that kind of power like Harley Race had it. And and uh, we're just kind of staying with the uh, the uh, the black athletes here, black wrestlers. But Ernie Ladd, he knew how to draw money, you know. Yeah. So that's the thing about a Coco, uh, a Bobo, and an Ernie Ladd. And, of course, we 
these guys, he knew how to draw money, man. And go back to Bobo, he apparently, you know, he drew money every territory he went to. He knew how to work and to get over and to, like you said, he had several titles. And that was a thing. Ernie Ladd dropped the strap. I don't know. That was like WWA or something. And I guess uh, Buddy Rod Rogers dropped the NWA title. But they didn't go noted, you know, in history books that, oh, yeah, Rogers got beat by Bobo Zill tonight. And that happened a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken, with some of these guys. So that's interesting, though. Because yeah. a lot of people contribute. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say we jump ahead. But well, no, I was just going to point out that the, the level of control that the promoters and owners used to be able to maintain due yeah. to, you know, you, you didn't see stuff from outside your own territory. So right. if if this didn't happen on TV in front of everybody, then hell, it didn't happen if I don't want it to have happened. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. And they put in there, you know, like mainstream newspapers that try to keep it legit and stuff. If, if it was a small town somewhere and they didn't want, you know, who knows what happened? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Then you'd get it maybe in a magazine. But again, if they didn't want you to know it in a magazine, you was not going to know about it. So unlike today, that's just one of those things. But yeah, Bobo went unrecognized as a, as an NWA champion. Um, We've already mentioned Ernie Ladd. I was going to jump. A lot of people recognize uh, Ron Simmons, and we've talked about yeah. him before. I'm not kind of just time travel here, but we're just talking in general. I think a lot of people probably, uh, I think it's because, what, the power of TBS or what have you, uh, that um, uh, when I don't even know when it was, whatever year it was, many people just say, you know, that, that Ron Simmons was the first black champion. But, man, there was, you know, you go back to the 60s and there's Bobo. And we're going to mention some other guys on here as we get into more of a history as we go down the list. But uh, this is probably one of the first one I guess, we mentioned that, you know, went recognized as a uh, uh, heavyweight champion of the world. That's Ron Simmons. Um, so, anyway, just kind of jumped up there a well, little bit. Well, and I think part of that comes from, when WCW uh, left the NWA and formed their own world title, they still tried to keep the legitimacy of the NWA title. Yeah. And okay. so by playing a couple word games, they could say the first uh, black athlete or the first black wrestler to be a major world champion or, you know, they, they played with the wording a little bit there. But quite honestly, when it happened, when you think back in your head, none of us knew about Bobo. So we, you know, right. we, you know, and then you say world's champion and then, yeah, cause you got to remember when we were younger, most NWA titles were like regional. You were, yeah. you know, you were mid Atlantic, you were the Georgia champion, you were, so, you know, only one or two belts really ever carried. Well, only three that we ever really talked about carried the, the legitimate claim to a world title. And that'd be the WWF, the NWA and the AWA titles. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, you know what? I'm going to step back in time. Just again, we're just kind of freestyling. I was sitting here thinking and looking at the list here. Uh, we saw at Memphis a little bit earlier. A couple of guys I remember, I, I'm going to get back to Rocky Johnson. I want some, something different on that. Uh, but, um, two guys off this list that, uh, Kamala got a start in Memphis mm -hmm. and man, uh, he went on to huge, huge fame, of course. And another guy just about left off his list, and I had forgotten about. Uh, and I was laying in bed one night, and the name Sonny King came to me, and I, I, I remember him, a big, ball-headed guy. And I was like, oh man, I got to add him to the list because I saw him mostly as a manager when he came into Memphis, but also I, I wasn't, I had. Re 
forgotten until someone smart Jeff sometimes like he actually had held a uh, a tag team title in the WWF back in the day uh, for like six or eight weeks with someone I, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden who his partner was but nonetheless like some of these guys that came through Memphis like Sonny King I got to see as a kid the first time through and then Kamala got a start there you know and it's just one of those things uh the other guy come through, of course, was Rocky Johnson. He was mm-hmm. a guy that, you know, he traveled all over. And, um, of course, that's just, uh, I've spoke with him in person a couple of years ago at, at WrestleCade. We sat down, had a little nice chat and he was talking about the Memphis territory. He's talking about everything, of course, but, uh, people forget sometimes that the Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson and his partner, Tony Atlas. I mean, Mr. Mr. USA came on the scene, man. People, you know, he, them guys, you know, they, they, Drew money everywhere they went, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're just kind of drawing names here. I just kind of stepped back in time there to Memphis. Uh, there's also some guys on our list. And, of course, these guys all work different territories. Uh, uh, Sweet Daddy Sika and, and like I said, uh, uh, Rufus R. Jones. People probably forgot him. But I'll tell you, no, and I didn't forget, man, was S.D. Jones. He worked mostly up in the uh, WWF, WWE territory, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Special Delivery Jones, man, he was a mainstream in her TV, and I remember seeing that, and one of the reasons um, uh, I remember his name, because my grandmother, she had these uh, speaking about one grandmother, same grandmother, so uh, both have now uh, passed on, of course, but but my one grandmother, she was like, uh, she was born in, um, uh, shoot, let me get this right here, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, and so Tony Atlas was one of her favorites, because he's from and then as uh with special delivery jones she loved him she just loved that name she said because it mail it reminded him of her mailman and so <laughs> she liked those two guys and so anyway i just i just find out funny man that you know uh some of our memories i didn't see sd jones a whole lot until he was later on in his career of course i saw tony atlas throughout the years in different territories here and there but that's just a couple other guys man i know we'll get into some history on some more other guys we're kind of free-flowing right now uh who else we got on Butch Reed, we talk, We haven't talked oh, about yeah. him for a while. Um, go ahead and name a couple others because I, I want to get into some stories well, and stuff and keep talking. Yeah, and yeah, fun. no, no. I, Recognizing these guys, I, I do want to. I do want to bring up Rocky Johnson because he yes. was a, he was a mainstay in San Francisco. And for those who don't know, Modesto was a stop on the San Francisco circuit, both for the NWA and later for Roy Shire uh, when the, he ran opposition to the NWA here. Uh, I had always assumed that Rocky was from Hayward because that's where The Rock was born at. But I recently discovered that Rocky Johnson was actually from Nova Scotia. Yes. I did yes. not know that. I we, just assumed we, he was from the Bay Area here. Yeah. The only reason I knew it because I wrestled out there in the Maritimes and we'd go to Nova Scotia every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So yeah. we'd go right through there and and uh, I'd always hear, you know, that's where he was from. So that's that's... You know, it's one of those things. But, yeah, see, that's the thing, too. As a kid, they tell you so-and-so's from wherever, and you believe it, you yep. know. Uh, you see it in a magazine. Hell, I was from Charlotte forever. Then I was from Knoxville. And I'm like, wait a minute, I know, you know, whatever. Uh, someone actually got mad at me. said, why don't you try some ass a fucking magazine? What are you going to believe? It's, not, it's, it's like the National Enquirer. Don't fucking believe everything you read, you moron. Yeah. You know? So, uh, well, first of all, you know, yeah, you're, reading, you're you know? reading a wrestling magazine, and you're taking <laughs> yeah. it for gospel truth. 
Yeah, so it's hard to tell where half these guys come. You know, Kamala, he fucking from Tennessee or what, Missouri or, or Mississippi? Mississippi, I think he's from actually. But you know, uh, here he is out there in the jungles of Africa in his uh, Jerry Jarrett's backyard or whatever it was. You know? Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, take it with a grain of salt, man. Well, but uh, it mean to bust your bubble there on Rocky Johnson not being from out there in Haywood, Jeremy. Yeah, that, I I just always assumed you know that hey yeah he's no Rocky Johnson's from right here and then. That's right. From Nova God. Scotia, you don't get you, you don't get less California than Nova Scotia. <laughs> you got the extreme opposite of the yeah. continent and nation. So. Right. You want the <laughs> coldest beaches in the world? You go to Nova Scotia. So yeah, um, let's see who else here. Uh, Bobby Lashley, Mark Henry, those some. Oh, that Bobby Lashley, he's oh, he's man. a fucking monster. He's a beast, man. Yeah. He's a um, you know who I did want to bring up because you threw well you you threw the name out there and I know you've worked with him uh, at WCW. One of my favorites that you have on the list is Norman Smiley. Oh um, yeah, man, what a great guy too. You know, here's here's the thing: like us us serious uh, wrestling fans and historians like ourselves, you know, we don't like joke wrestlers, except when <laughs> except when we do. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then when we like him, we really fucking like him. I thought Norman Smiley, I didn't even have to see his antics eat to start laughing 90% of the time. The big wiggle, uh, yeah. the, the hockey gear, the screaming, the accidentally winning matches, shit like that. I would not laugh out loud if there were people nearby, but it tickled my funny bone right to the core every time he did it. Yeah. And Norman, let me tell you, he's a, he's, the thing about that is, is he's a Malenko guy. And he also trained with Gotch and Masami down there. And he went to the UWF over Japan for those first UWF shows and the shoot fighting. So he could back it all up, you know. And, of course, he, he's from England, the U.K. over there. But, yeah, he, he came over here. And um, uh, he actually had left by the time I got there. And I didn't meet up with him. And he, he wrestled in Mexico as Black Magic, actually. He lived in Mexico no. City. Yeah. He wrestled in Mexico as Black Magic. He lived in Mexico City. And he came on to WCW just a little bit before I got there. And uh, we met up, and man, what a great guy he was. And I've talked to him since. It's been a few years, as I mentioned off the air there. But uh, the thing about it, for someone that knew how to work and shoot and do all that stuff, and he's out there doing that hardcore screaming, you know, <laughs> bang, it's just so different than, you know, it's just hard telling what works. You know, he had all the luchador experience because I remember Dean talking about him way before ever coming to WCW. He said, I got a friend down in Mexico. He works with black magic, you know, and, yeah. and it was Norman. And it's one of those things like, uh, so he had all this seriously behind him and he's out there doing that gimmick. So it just goes to show sometimes, you know, when you're out there, uh, sometimes you're, what works in one area doesn't work in the other, or what you train for, it translates to another way. Because he's doing something completely opposite than a way. Because he could uh, he could have killed someone if he wanted to, oh, you yeah. know. Well, when he's know, out there doing that gimmick. So. You know, it's funny. Uh, I I would say that in in your sport in wrestling, the guys who let themselves be laughed at are probably the baddest motherfuckers because they know. <laughs> They know, like, yeah, you're laughing right now, but wait till I fucking put the back of your, you know, the back of your exactly. head against your own foot. Yeah. Yeah. And I've met a few of them, man, that just, you just know, you know, uh, luckily, or let me say this, you hopefully know, or are smart enough to know, this motherfucker can kick my ass. We're going to mm-hmm. work tonight. We're going to work. And sometimes you're in that position where you have to kick someone's ass and hold them down and say, come on, man, let's work. And they know, oh, shit. 
Bobby's serious. We're going to have a good match. Or, you know, the same thing if it's someone like I would never have to worry about that Norman Smiley because most of those guys are so professional. You never have to go out there and worry about like, oh, fuck, is he going to hurt me tonight or fuck me up? It, you go out there because you have that mutual respect, that training, and, and you want to, you know, have a good match. So yeah. uh, no matter what match it is, but yeah, I would if if things would have got out of hand, yeah, I'd put my money on Norman and against many many of those guys in that hardcore title and him <laughs> out there running around like a maniac, you know. But uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, Norman Smiley, man, what a good dude. Uh, he makes the list. Um, you know who's bad? Bad News Allen or Bad oh. News Brown, man. I had left him off, and I just recently sent you his name. But, uh, man, the thing about him, I knew, for some reason, I was thinking he's Canadian, but it said American and Canadian. And I think he represented the U.S. back in the um, some international judo competitions. He was a judo guy, and he won a bronze medal. And I watched every one of the Olympics in 1976, and I know uh, I don't recall watching the judo. Uh, I'm just saying, so I'm not going to make that claim. But, again, that's back to that year, that bicentennial year, where yours truly was turning from 12 to 13 and watched all the 76 Olympics, Summer Olympics, man. And uh, I remember the boxing. Uh, I remember, um, um, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, but uh, little did I know, I probably watched, uh, how you say his last name, Coach, Cage, Alan Cage. I think I think uh, it was Coach. Coach. I think, okay, yeah. I probably saw him because I watched uh, just about every fucking minute Olympics I could watch. I watched. So, uh, yeah, bad news, Alan, man. He had a hell of a career wrestling all over the world. Uh, finished up, I guess, you know, in Mexico. I, uh, but, yeah, he wrestled in WWF, New Japan, Stampede, all those different places, man. So uh, let's not leave him off the list. <laughs> no, absolutely not. He's, he's a bad man. <laughs> he's a bad, bad man. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else you got, Jeremy? I might have a story oh, or something. You know, you. I, I, of course, I got to go with uh, Booker T and Stevie Ray, uh, one of the greatest <laughs> tag teams of all time. Ah, oh, yeah. Harlem Heat. I was hoping you'd bring them up because uh, you probably watched them before they got to WCW as Harlem Heat, didn't you? I was thinking about this. Did you get to see them in WCCW or not? Uh, you know what? I don't I don't know if I did because yeah. your, your memory does tricky shit. Like you think you remember something, but you're not 100%. 100% see, you know? That's what I'm asking myself because I had forgotten that uh, Booker T, he did the uh, G.I. Bro. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I had kind of forgot. So I don't think I really saw them. I know they started out in Texas. I don't know that I really saw them prior to coming to uh, WCW, though. But yeah, Booker T and Stevie Ray, man, that one of the, maybe I could be wrong. Uh, one of the few, if only, brother tag teams to win a world championship. I don't even know that, but they were you know multiple time champions. Of course, Booker T went on to become five. Time, five times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to tell you someone else, uh, two people real quick that I will share this with you. Uh, Ernest the Cat Miller, you know, that's one of Bischoff's boys, and, and he trained a lot of guys in the, uh, the judo, and he was down at the power plant, and, and he had a good little run there. Um, and then one of my all-time favorite people, man, not just wrestlers, is Pez Watley, man. Pez was just a hell of a I'm going somewhere with this, but the things I stand about Pez, I used to see Pez in the old ICW, and uh, when they came through this area, this Ashland, uh, they had every, the towns in Kentucky and Missouri and places they traveled to, uh, near and far, uh, Ashland was one of the monthly towns, and I got to see, you know, the likes of Pez Watley, and, uh, and I brought that up to him several years later. <clears throat> 
And I never will forget there sitting there one day at catering, and I sit with Farn Anderson. And Pez Watley comes over to sit down with us, and uh, he says, Bobby Blaze, Ashland, Kentucky. And he was this time working for WCW as part of the ring crew. And he said, man, we was going from Cincinnati to Charleston the other day, and I saw that sign on that bridge, Bobby. He said, I thought of you, man. He said, because uh, in Ohio, on 52 over there, when you're going from Cincinnati, I live about midway between, uh, closer to Charleston, West Virginia, but but about two hours from Cincinnati, so I'm right in that little belt right there. But there's a sign each direction over in Ohio that says, you know, Ashland, Kentucky, one mile. And that made me feel good, man, about Pez just bringing that up. And just, you know, someone you looked up to as a kid, you're like, oh, man. But I'm going to tell you one better uh, for Black History Month. i got to share this story. And that is with Booker T, Stevie Ray, Pez Wally, and Ernest Miller. This, this took place. And I, I think I wrote about it. And I, I know I said I think I did, so I'm going to put you a little plug in here. Buy both <laughs> books. That's why I said earlier, buy both books. I cannot remember which book I put it in, but I, I think I put it Pin Me, Pay Me. And I saw Stevie Ray, and I told him I put it in there, just so you know, because I don't want uh, the book uh, Stevie Ray come back saying, damn you, Bobby, you know, or something like that. But anyway, uh, man, we was at uh, – Somewhere in Georgia, maybe Atlanta, I could have been Rome, Georgia, where we was doing TV. And um, I was in line <clears throat> talking to uh, uh, Pez Watley and Booker T. And so we go to sit down, and we sit down with uh, Stevie Ray. And us four are sitting there, or us five are sitting there, and uh, Ernest Miller comes over and sit down. So I'm getting a picture here for you. Uh, we're at catering. It's a big round table. And I'm sitting there, and it's Pez Watley, Ernest Miller, Stevie Ray, Booker T. So those four guys are there. And who's sticking out like a turtle punch bowl? Dylan White got the table, Bobby Blaze. <laughs> so it's all good. There's no big deal. We're just sitting there eating. And I'm just kind of – I know you know where he's at, man. We was in Daytona. We were somewhere right outside Florida uh, or outside Daytona. So, yeah, anyway, I'll tell you why. Because uh, they had to cancel uh, Daytona 500 due to the fires, the, like the week before or something like that. And we had just been down there. We had to do some uh, travel range, et cetera. So, yeah, that's what happened. But anyway, I'm sitting there, and the next thing I know, these four guys are talking about NASCAR. And now you'd think the white redneck would, would know NASCAR. I wrestled over Kentucky, over Tennessee, throughout the South, and – you know, I know people watch NASCAR, but I didn't know, you know, I don't know any black drivers or anything like that. I'm like, so Stevie Ray and Booker T really start getting into it. And, and I'm like, ah, damn, these guys really know a lot about NASCAR. So I said, hey, hold on. I just, like drop my fork. I'm eating a piece of chicken or steak. When I go, hey, wait a minute, hold on. What the hell is wrong with this picture, guys? I said, I'm the only white guy at this table, and you guys are talking about NASCAR, and you all know more about NASCAR than my white ass does. And they started just laughing because, you know, they saw the, the humor in it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but uh, and Booker T, you, you got to, he started to feed them. And once you start feeding them stuff, he goes with it, man. He flows with it. So he got Stevie Ray all fired up. And Stevie Ray, he's already just like into this tired about NASCAR, about this. And he looked at me. Of course, he was, we're playing it up. And of course, I'm not playing it up just for the podcast. I'm just telling you what he said. And he just looked at me and goes, Bobby. Yeah. And he said, you know why there's no black drivers in NASCAR? I said, I was waiting for him. I was waiting like, what? where's this going, you know, because yeah. they're, they're all serious. And he goes, I'm going to tell you why. And I'm like, I'm serious. 
a, a, a legitimate answer, right? Because they have been talking serious now. He goes, because ain't no black daddy out there still no $430,000 motor to take home for his kid and put it in a car and let him play in it. He goes, black people play sports that they can steal a baseball. They can steal a football. They can steal a basketball. They can't steal no goddamn motor. <laughs> and, man, I started cracking up. I knew you had me. But Booker T was sitting up the whole time. I mean, they set it up really good, obviously, oh. Big Brothers. So, yeah, he basically just laid it out there. Ain't no black drivers because you can't steal a damn, you know. Anyway, it is really funny, but uh, let's get back on track. Well, I hope everyone appreciate for what it was. Ask away if you want. I'm just telling you what happened, man. I, I, I want to I wanna just do this real quick here, talking yes. about brothers who became uh, tag team champions. Yeah. Uh, Steiners, Briscoes, and Booker and Stevie Ray, right? There you go. Yeah, the only ones I could think of. All right. So, anyway, uh, man, who else? Uh, let's get into a couple more that we probably need to honor on this list. Well, uh, we've done a little bit of history, didn't you, Professor? Well, a little bit, a little bit here. And I, I guess, you know, I'm going to ask you about these guys. Yeah. Um, so let's start with, I mean, you know, we want to make sure we cover as many people as we can. But there are a couple right. here that really stand out. So the, one of the first ones would be uh, Sailor Art Thomas. Yes, man, six six two sixty five. Um, obviously, I didn't know him or anything. I just remember that name and seeing him in magazines as a young kid. The two, one thing is I, I've read up on, and it seemed like I'd heard about. I knew he wrestled with uh, Boris Malenko back in Florida in the sixties. I think that's when he became a, a babyface. Uh, but the one thing, and I think he, you know, you. We'll go back into detail on some more of this. The one thing I want to tell you about was a, a story I saw where Dury Funk Jr. Uh, had written about him, and I and I heard him telling this in the interview before, and I thought it was really funny because he was – and I brought that up, and I I, I didn't know it off the top of many 6'6", 265. This news is a big, big, powerful black man, you know. But uh, Dory told his junior – or Dury Funk Jr. told his story about um, – he would, uh, when they was traveling throughout Florida and the Carolinas together, he always remembered, uh, Art Thomas. He would always eat two of those, uh, little boxes of cornflakes. And he, t it was just those little tiny, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they still make them. You get like several different kind of boxes and they're yeah. little small boxes. You get the hotel or a little cafe or whatever. He talked about, uh, Here's that big, big, strong, muscular guy, you know, but he always ate two boxes of cornflakes before he went and walked, worked out. And, and Dory said he always told him, don't forget to eat your cornflakes. Now, I don't know if it made him that big and that strong, but he had, a, you know, this to me, I just thought I found it fascinating that, you know, because if, 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 if I was a wrestler back then. And I had to face a guy that big and that strong, and and he ate those corn. I'd do everything that guy did. If he said eat the damn cornflakes, that's what I'd eat every damn day for breakfast. You know, uh, I wouldn't miss one of them. But yeah, he was a but he's he's a bodybuilder, so he obviously knew what the fuck he was doing. You know, but uh, and I got just not dropping f bomb, and I'm just being me. But yeah, I, I don't I didn't get to see him, but there's some history there. And of course, he was early on uh, one of the earliest uh, wrestlers. That we, we kind of put on this list here, just kind of going back through. And I do know it didn't match with Malenko. He was known for those chain matches. Malenko was. Um, and Art Thomas, one of the ones he had a chain match with to help them turn babyface. So that's just what I, just kind of my brief history and kind of want to honor him uh, with the Malenko connection, also Dory Funk Jr. connection and eating the damn cornflakes. But I just find that funny. So. Yeah, because uh, they, they anyway. are tiny. They are tiny boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
not like Jethro Boudin on the hillbilly eating a full box or something because they're sponsored every week by cornflakes. Speaking of which, Jeremy, yes. if cornflakes wants to sponsor us, $35 a month cornflakes, uh, General Mills, Post, uh, whoever an, else. An else. episode, an episode, Bobby. <laughs> an episode, an yeah. episode, 35 yeah. an episode. And uh, also, something else that sponsored us, Sean, I'm just going to jump real quick and put this out there. Jeremy, fuck it, man. I'm thinking about uh, Prime right now okay. for Amazon Prime because we need to get some clicks to our link and our links to our clicks and get some buys and some sales. And I'm going to tell you what, if you like Amazon Prime, folks, uh, you can get it free for 30 days, but use this tiny URL. Go to tinyurl.com slash Prime. Get it 30 days free. It won't cost you a dime, but the show will hopefully get a little bit of kickback from it. But you get free shipping on a large portion of the products that's available on Amazon. And you also get some streaming, which I'm going to let Jeremy tell you about. Well, yeah, the streaming actually is probably more important these days than the uh, the free shipping. Um, yes. Because uh, you immediately get access to tens of thousands of titles that yeah. you can stream immediately on there. Uh, my favorite TV show of all time is this little Canadian sitcom called Corner Gas. It's every season of the show is on there. Uh, you can get old Memphis wrestling on there. There's also some other stuff I need to learn more about. It turns out there's a couple channels that you can get through uh, Prime, Amazon Prime that just have indie wrestling. I'm trying to learn more about them, and we're going to talk about them coming up here, or maybe I'll write something for the website. But there's lots of cool stuff. If you have let your Amazon lapse and you don't have Prime anymore, if you've always wanted to try it and haven't done so yet, go to tinyurl.com slash Prime. You'll get 30 days for free. If you don't like it, just cancel it before your 30 days is up. Yep. It's that easy, man. And plus, you're helping the show out. Yeah. And speaking of which, let's, uh, man, all these, we got fans all over the country and all over the world. Special shout out to France over there. Yeah. I don't even know what that's all about. It could be something to do with the anti-mime. I don't know. But, uh, you know, we've got people from the uh, Charleston Huntington Market all the way to uh, D.C., out to Yakima, uh, Washington, to, uh, man, we finally got who we get on here, Jeremy. We got people in Charlotte listening finally. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans finally made it finally into the damn, up. finally yeah. up to shop top damn 20 after we talk about Mid South so much. But yeah, uh, just, just help the podcast out, man. So wherever you're listening to, fucking hit us up, uh, Jeremy at the Geekish Cast. Uh, hit me up at Bobby Blaze, uh, 744. Hit the Twitter account at, uh, Bell to Bell Blaze. Let us know, hashtag BBBB, where the fuck you're listening at, man. It may be New York. It may be Hawaii. It may be up in Canada town. You never, you know, over in the UK. Let us know, man, because we want to reach the world wide web. We want to reach the world wide audience and we're telling you all about all these we're giving you a fucking history lesson for free this month or this week rather this podcast about black history month and all the black professional wrestlers and that we can think of man and we went through this list jyd ernie ladd thunderbolt patterson bobo brazil coco beware sd jones tony atlas rocky johnson rufus r jones uh, king kamala sweet daddy sika we almost forgot him man sweet daddy sika oh yeah 
Ron Simmons, Butch Reed, Norman Smiley, Bobby Lashley, and Mark Henry. We spoke briefly about Bad News Allen and Sailor Art Thomas. I told you about Booker T, Stevie Ray, Ernest Miller, my man Pez Watley. With that said, we'll go back a little bit farther in history, and I'm going to throw you out one, Jeremy. Luther Lindsay, 6'4", 235. Tell me a little bit about this incredible athlete, man. Thank oh. you. I just had to ramble on and kind of catch everyone up no, to no, Black History Month, man. No, so anyway, you did. Uh, you did a great job. Well, if hey. I remember correctly, and Bobby, you'll you'll have to set me straight if I get any of this wrong. I that's be- okay. Because- I believe he came out of Canada. Uh, yep. He played with the CFL, which yep. only has three downs and a shorter field for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't really get it. Um, did he work for Stu Hart? Am I getting yes. that right? Yeah. Yes, he worked for Stu Hart. Um, he um he carried a picture of Stu Hart in his wallet. Or Stu Hart carried a picture to him, man, in his wallet for years, they said. Uh, but um, he was also billed as the world Negro champion or something similar, uh, working with Shag Thomas and other professional black wrestlers back in the day then. I didn't know who he was, and I'm going to let you kind of finish up some more there because I know there's a lot more to, to, to be mentioned. But uh, Mike Moneyham from uh, – uh, the Charlotte, or not Charlotte, shoot, uh, Charleston newspaper, uh, Columbia newspaper. I damn, I'm messing up. Dallas, South Carolina, big wrestling historian. I read one of the articles about uh, Luther Lindsay. That's how I become familiar with oh, him. I okay. kind of started looking up some of his stuff, and I'm just kind of rambling on here because I was trying not to look at notes and just go with something that I had written down or sent you or whatever. I was just that's how I found out about him. Was like I didn't even know about him until I read one of Mike's articles and. Um, Shit, I'm I'm drawing a blank on a newspaper. Post carrier, uh, drawing a blank on a day. What is that? Down there in South Carolina. Anyway, shout out to them. But that's when I first heard of them. But yeah, he uh he had a um, a good career, man. I guess he was legitimately tough because uh, Hart, like I said, I'll, I'll pick it. You pick it up there. But yeah, Stu Hart apparently carried a uh, picture of him around in his wallet. Man, he had that much respect for the man. Yeah, and did he also? Okay, so. If, if I'm remembering right, and look, this, this is a pretty obscure one, so we, yeah. we don't have a lot to work from. Uh, but he actually wrestled Luthez in, yes. in a title match. Yes. Yes. I went to, uh, if you want to look this up, folks, I went to wrestlingscout.com and it said in 1954, uh, he met Luthez and, and quietly made history. This was a decade before. When we already talked about it a little bit earlier, Bobo Brazil's unrecognized NWA title win over Buddy Rogers, or I'm going to leave it at that because we're going to go somewhere, if that's okay, Jeremy, with yeah. that last name. So anyway, we talked about uh, maybe in around 1966 or so, um, uh, Bobo Brazil beating Buddy Rogers. But 10 years before that, or maybe even 12 in 1954, uh, Luther Lindsay uh, beat Luthez, but it was quiet. You see, they mm-hmm. kept it kayfabe. Not only did they keep the kayfabe, they kept it from the boys, apparently, or other territories. You know what I'm saying? So they didn't want anyone to know about that. But, yeah, uh, that's early one. Again, I used uh, WrestlingScout.com uh, for my information, uh, but he was listed as one of the 25 greatest wrestlers of all time. So wow. I think, that, you know, not just greatest black wrestler, but as one of the 25 greatest wrestlers of all time, according to that site. And the thing about that, we're not knocking anything. It's like a lot of times you go in there you find sites all dedicated to one particular promotion and i found a, a link that actually had they represented several different promote you know they they recognized history not the way 
some people want you to believe it, and I think that's important while we're talking about the Black History Month, not the way sometimes they want you to believe it. But we've already mentioned two people, and it's not a dig toward Ron Simmons, but two other people that held uh, or at least was NWA champion. Uh, for a brief moment, if nothing else, in, in 1954 or so, and again in 1966 or so. So um, those are things you don't, you know, we're just kind of smarting you up, aren't we, Professor? That's that's pretty much it. You know, we uh, we do value wrestling history around here quite a bit, and one of the interesting things about it is that two guys that nerd out about this shit as much as we do, and there's still, <laughs> still all this new stuff we find every week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was all stuff I learned, like, you know, just reading an article here and there. Mm-hmm. And I and I think what I'm going to do, just kind of let you know, uh, where I said I'm going to stop right there because I wanted you to kind of fill us in there. But it said, um, to quote that, it said, this was when when Luther Lindsay won that title uh, over Luthez, quietly making history. This was a decade before Brazil's unrecognized NWA title went over Buddy Rogers, or where I'm getting ready to go with this, Bearcat Brown's WWA championship reign that are both held for significant accomplishment for black wrestlers. And that's going to take us to who we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about for the last few minutes here. Jeremy and I both had decided that, you know, we're trying to give a lot of recognition and just a short amount of time to people. But here's another one that, again, it, you may not be up to date on and, it, and, and we can understand why. And I was just like Jeremy and I just having to do this research. It's been a really good learning week for me. And also I've went back and I watched old footage. You can find footage and I am going somewhere with this. You can go to, we got a really good YouTube page. I'm going to kind of direct you there right now. Just go to YouTube or you can type in tinyurl.com backslash BBBB video. And you can, um, you can watch some of these. There's old footage of about, just about of all these guys, uh, but this one here, Bearcat Wright, man. Um, he was six foot six, weighed 277 or 275 pounds. I guess he might went to 277, maybe down some. But um, he was uh, um, what uh, becoming the first African. He won a title, the BTW title, Jeremy Heavyweight Championship, the first African-American to win a major singles title in the territories, although the BTW wasn't affiliated with the NWA. And so it says here, like two years later, uh, in 1963, he was working for California Territory, and I guess that's when he won the World Wrestling Association's title against uh, uh, Freddie Blassie, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Okay, I will let you tell us a bit more well, from there if so, you don't care. So, well, Bearcat Wright it was one of those guys, he was like a super strong guy, and they would have him rip a phone book in half during his promotions just to kind of show off. Oh, man, nice. What a, you know, just what a powerhouse he was. Um, he was one of the earliest uh, black champions in pro wrestling. Uh, of course, there is a little a little problem here. Now, once he won the title, uh, Bobby, he, he didn't want to lose it. Oh, okay. And uh, do you know which famous last name is connected to the WWA in Los Angeles? No, I'm, I'm learning. LaBelle. Ah, shit. So, so you they, don't want to see your name on a chalkboard against LaBelle, do you? No. So what <laughs> happened was they wanted him to drop it to Edouard Carpentier, a, a name that if you don't know pro wrestling, or if you know pro wrestling, you should know the last name Carpentier. If you don't, well, I'm sure we'll talk about him soon. He wouldn't drop it to Edouard uh, Carpentier. He also wouldn't drop it to Freddie Blassie. So Hmm. they put him in a match against Gene LaBelle. 
Yeah. Bearcat would not come to the ring. <laughs> I wonder to, why. Yeah. <laughs> leading to him uh, being blackballed from the WWA. Yeah. Um, they, they still, you know, he was blackballed for a while. They still use him. Unfortunately, uh, uh, Bearcat, who was born as Edward Wright, uh, passed away at the age of 50 in 1982. In 2017, he was posthumously inducted into the WWE's Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. You got to learn to do business. What are you yep. going to say? You know, uh, fuck, I don't want Gene LaBelle fighting me still nope. today, man. He might just show up that red patch of hair in the middle of the night and whip my ass right out of bed. I hear, you know I hear he hits you so hard you poop a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm no Steven Seagal, but, you know, what am I going to say? What do I know? I don't know nothing. But I do know this, man. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope we haven't left anyone off. We went back about as far as we could. Uh, again, you can go find somebody. You go find your own list, man, and hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up at the hashtag BBB. BB. Uh, all that stuff's going to be at the end of the show, but hit us up on the uh, Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter. Uh, go check out our YouTube page at tinyurl.com backslash BBBB video. Hit you up with some prime. I'm just kind of throwing you some shit out there because, yeah. man, we have hit a lot of guys on here. Uh, we didn't go into great detail about some of them like we said, but we hopefully, the professor here gave you a good little background about some of them. Hopefully I shared a story that you appreciated. If you didn't, tell me to go fuck myself. What do I know? You know what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, we wanted to honor the uh, black athletes. Uh, we had some British. We had some Canadians. We had some Americans, uh, all prominent black professional wrestlers. And we, we want to recognize that not only that they're black, you know, that they, they accomplished these, maybe not what you see uh, with, you know, what, the main media says, oh, this was your first champion or this guy's in the Hall of Fame or this guy, whatever. We kind of gave you a little bit of history and we tried not to leave anyone off. If we did or if I did, I apologize ahead of time. That wasn't the intention. We wanted to get as many black professional wrestlers on here as we could, say something briefly and something positive about each, and I hope we did that. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Jeremy, I'm going to kind of turn over back to you. I think we're going to have a change of pace maybe next week on the podcast. That may be something to look forward to. I had announced a couple weeks back that we was going to do something on Black History Month that just now took place that you just now heard live mm -hmm. or however the fuck you heard it here tomorrow morning or tonight whenever you listen to your favorite podcast The Bell to Bell of Bobby Blaze with my great fucking co-host the professor over there but also I think we got some special stuff in the future coming up on a podcast so tell a friend uh, you know Tell the world, man. Get us out there. Let people know about this podcast. And I appreciate it. Jeremy, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Professor. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Bobby, you know what's got four thumbs and puts on an awesome wrestling podcast every week? No. Us. Right here. Point oh, at yourself what? with your thumbs. See, okay, four thumbs I got, I got it. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. a little bit slow there. Got That's you, all okay. right. That's all right. Big yeah, kick in the head by Steve. Uh, who was it I said that? Chris Adams. Yeah. Maybe. I don't you know what? Maybe fucking Booker T did that spin a Rooney and come up and gave me a kick in the head too hard. I don't know. Yeah, you don't, don't want to catch nothing. that. You don't want to catch that yeah. scissor kick to the back of the head very often, I don't oh, think. Yeah. Oh, not no. not too frequently. No. Um yeah, no, this has been a great show. I hope I hope people listening learned a little something. I know I did just doing the research yeah. for this episode. Um what was I gonna say? Wasn't Chris Candido a WWA champion? He was champion there, fucking whatever he made up his mind to be. I think it was the WWA and he had uh, the title of. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, fuck. Maybe Bearcat Brown gave it to him. I don't it could know. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> 
It doesn't sound yeah. like he ever really lost it. So no, that's exactly right. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Good point. All right. Well, everybody, right. thank you for joining us, Bobby. Thank you for hanging out with me again for yes. another week. It's been a blast. Yeah. Hopefully, if our plans go through next week, we will be uh, joined by. You want to tell them, or you want to keep this a secret? What do you think? Oh man, you're such a fucking tease. I know. Uh, yeah. All right. Get ready, folks. Next week we're gonna have on this show. The Sugar Hold Champion, the man who escaped Bob Roop's Sugar Hold back in the ICW days. You heard him on a 605. He's a good friend of mine. William Harding will be here next week on the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Yep, that's right. So everybody stay tuned for that. It's been our pleasure to have you. But as usual, it's been your pleasure to listen. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. You can follow the show on Twitter at bell to bell blaze You can also follow Bobby on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744 and Jeremy on Twitter at TheGeekishCast. To purchase one of Bobby's books, you can visit tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 to purchase Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boots, Will Travel. And you can visit tinyurl.com slash blazebook2 to get I Kicked Out on 2, The Education of a Wrestler. To donate to the show's podcast hosting fees, you can visit gofundme.com slash bell-to-bell podcast hosting fees. Be sure to include a hyphen in every word in bell-to-bell podcast hosting fees. If you follow and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. Be sure to share the show with any wrestling fan you may know and get on the Facebook page where you can keep up with Bell to Bell fans just like you. Again, thanks for listening to the program and look for the show again next time.